Ephesians 4.26. Now, if you have an electronic uh, Bible, you've got a phone or tablet or something like that, and you can select the version uh, that you'll be reading from, I'll be reading out of New King James, and so that's the NKJV version. That might help you to be able to follow along better. All right, so today we're going to continue this study that we've been involved in looking at the places in the New Testament where the two-word English phrase one another is used. It's a translation of a Greek word, alelon. And these hundred times that these verses are that the, this phrase is used in the New Testament are very important for us to pay attention to because the majority of them speak directly to the kind of a people that God wants us to become, the kind of church God wants his people to be part of. And we are in a season where we're asking the Lord to help us to become an even more um, relational church. And so that's why we are looking at these verses. And today, although we've talked about a number of themes, today we're going to be talking about something that we return to fairly frequently, the subject of forgiveness. Forgiveness. So if you have, like I, been exposed um, uh, to teaching about the importance of being a person who forgives, I want to ask you, because you may, like me, kind of feel like, well, I've already got that one mastered. Maybe not. And so I would like to ask you to join with me in just praying a simple prayer. Lord, help me to see this with fresh eyes. Help me to see what I need to learn from you today, to be changed by you uh, today. All right, so verse 26 of Ephesians chapter 4 says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil, verse 27 says. Now look over at verse 31, same chapter. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we're going to look at these few verses today and talk about the subject of forgiveness, being forgiving. Now, verse 26 begins by saying, be angry and sin not. This is not an invitation to anger. It's not like the Lord is saying, go ahead, be angry. No, it's not that. He's saying that life is going to present to each one of us many opportunities to be provoked to anger. In fact, the likelihood is that before you leave this building today, something will happen to tick you off. In fact, it might be me. I might say something or do something that'll get your, mm, present you with an opportunity to be angry. And that's what it's saying here. When you encounter those opportunities that life sends, tends to give us in spades to be angry, it says don't sin. Don't sin. It's not that you and I are going to just kind of magically float through life and we will never have anything trouble us or create issues for us. No, we are going to confront opportunities regularly 
to have unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, it's lodged itself in our souls. And the Lord says there's a way to find yourself provoked to anger, but resisting that in a way so that it doesn't become sin. And, and he begins to now, in verse 27, give us, start to tell us how that happens. Don't give place to the devil. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but it is really, really important. When I choose to be unforgiving towards somebody, and dear ones, it's a choice. Nobody makes me hold a grudge. Nobody makes me hang on to anger and frustration. That's a choice that I make. But when I do, it's bad for me. And in so many ways, starting with what it says right there, don't give place to the devil. When I choose to be unforgiving towards you, I am giving place to the devil. What does that mean? Well, the word place there in the original language, topos, we get our word topography. Anybody ever heard that word used before? We get our word topography from that. It's the basis for the word topographical map. You've ever heard of that before? A topographical map, for you who have never heard of that before, is a very detailed map. It shows the contours of the land, the geographical features, along with cities and roads and stuff like that you'd find on a normal map. I couldn't find a topographic map, so that's just a regular old stinking map up there. But a topographical map is much more detailed. And Jesus here, uh, speaking through the Apostle Paul as he's writing this letter to the Ephesian church, he's saying, don't be unforgiving. Don't hold anger uh, in your soul because when you do, you are giving the enemy a place to stake his flag in some region of your soul's topography. It's giving him a foothold in the land of your soul. Some of you have wondered why it is that you have these patterns in your life that just keep cycling around. You can't seem their, their habits or ways of responding to things that you hate about yourself, but they, you can't seem to break the cycle. Dear ones, often that's because the enemy has planted his flag in some little nook and cranny or valley of the territory of your soul and from there, he's got a grip on you. Don't give place to the devil. Man, it's... Uh, I don't want that. Neither do you. Because nearly every form of distortion in our lives, every issue, sometimes I use that word, everything that you want to see changed about your life, Nearly every one of those things will point back at some, in some way to unforgiveness that you hold towards yourself, towards others, or towards God. And when we hold on to unforgiveness, remember, the enemy has placed his flag there. He's staked out that part of your soul. And, tr and trust me, he's not going to be satisfied with just that. So, Dear ones, this is urgent. This is critical. Let's be ones who recognize that when the Bible says, be angry and don't sin, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, he's serious. 
When there's an opportunity presented to you to be provoked to anger, take action right now and release that person, that organization, that thing in, in forgiveness. Rush to forgive. Don't walk. Run to forgiveness. Now, I've actually had people ask me, well, when the Bible says don't let the sun go down in your wrath, does that mean I actually have until the sun goes down? I mean, can I just hold on to this thing all day and then just before the sun goes down, I can forgive? Of course not. That's not what it's saying. We need to be people who are quick, immediate to forgive and start to learn. See, sometimes we, we're just so used to when we are wounded or hurt or disadvantaged in some way to starting the cycle of unforgiveness, we're not even aware that it happens. Lord, help us to become sensitive that in those moments when we are wronged, that we start right now to say, God, I forgive. God, I forgive. Because we don't want the alternative. Now, verse 31 gives us a list of of things that are characteristics of an unforgiving heart. Things that uh, ca um, would describe a person and the, and the way they move through life when there's unforgiveness. And this is given because it's also important for us not only to forgive immediately, but to forgive completely. Sometimes when we get to the process of forgiveness, because most of us in the room know it's not really a good idea to be, you know, that kind of person, we will, we will forgive maybe a couple layers. But we still have some other stuff down there that we're kind of holding on to. And this verse just exposes it all and says, hey, let's, get, let's scrape this thing down to bedrock. So there's nothing left. It says here, let, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. There's a couple of words I want to point out. It says, let, allow. Because one of the things I hear from people often is, I just can't forgive that person. Pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. How can you even ask me? How can God ask me to forgive that person. I can't. And I understand that. Trust me. I, I, I really get that. So does everyone in this room. This is not an easy thing. But God is saying allow it. He's not saying that I have to do this alone. He is stepping into my life circumstances and saying let me let you free. He says, when it says there, um, let all of this be put away, that, that, wor that uh, word in the original, put away, sail away. Picture this. You have this person or, or situation where you know forgive, unforgiveness has, has captured your soul. You come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to let this go. Hear the Lord step into that and say, let me help you. Let it go. Let it sail away. All of that bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, let me help you. I want to release you from all of that. We are not alone in this. And because these things describe 
this, the, a number of the ways that we uh, um, live out unforgiveness, I want to mention them and, uh, just briefly so that we can kind of see some of the things that we still need to let the Lord scrape away in the process of, of helping us come to forgiveness where we let it go, let it sail away. First, bitterness. Well, what is that? Well, if you've ever been in a place where there's been a, a, a fire and there's something toxic that's burning, one of the ways our bodies lets us know that there's a problem here is our eyes start to water, it gets hard to breathe, um, it smells funny, there's a, that, a kind of taste in, that you have and it alerts you to the fact that, wait a minute, this is poison. Well, some of us know what it's like to have the atmosphere of a relationship poisoned by unforgiveness. It's like you come in the room with the same person and, you're, <laughs> and you start to taste it. You smell it. You just, you know, you know. This isn't right. This isn't good. This isn't healthy. Something's poison. And the thing is, the weird thing is we think that, <laughs> I'm, I didn't come up with this. You've probably heard this before, but it's so true. When it comes to unforgiveness, it's, it's like we think we can drink the poison and the other person will die. No, it doesn't work that way. And so the Lord says, when you find yourself in that place where the atmosphere in a relationship is poisoned, Lord, I want to let that sail away. I want, it to, I want it to be gone from my life. I don't want that to be true any longer as far as I can have anything to do with it. Goes on to talk about wrath, and that word in the, in the original is not the word for the quick, you know, blow up anger kind of thing. It's the, the, the slow burning, you know, low grade. <clears throat> you know, that we have. I've been having a lot of that this election cycle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the Lord says, when you recognize that, let me help you. Let it say, Lord, let it, I want to let it go. I want that to sail away as far from me as it can get. I don't want that in my life. It talks about anger. Anger is the word for the kind of feeling where you are insisting on payback or punishment or justice. And, you know, look, I get it. But let's just be frank about this. When we insist on there being justice served, when we insist on that person who's wronged us having to pay a price for how they've wronged us, we, are, we are, have become the arbiters of justice, and we are not. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Anytime I try to take on a job that is only God's, I make a mess of things. It's not, dear one, it's not my job to make the other person pay. It's not my job to ensure, to hold on to this anger until the day 
that the scales of justice are, are equaled out. No, no, no. The only person being hurt by my insistent insistence that justice be served, that a price be paid, that penalty be, be um, meted out, the only person being hurt is me. Only person. And I want to be the person who quickly runs to Jesus and says, Lord, let this sail away from me. I don't want this in my life. Talks about clamor. That's a word for... Um, it's actually in, you know what an onomatopoeia is? You know the kind of word that is, this, it sounds like what it's describing? Like the word bang? Okay, it's, it's a word that describes a sound. When you say it, it's what it is. And this is one of those kinds of words, and it's, it's the sound of a crow squawking. You know, <laughs> my best crow. Anyway. And it's saying, and you know, you know what this is like. When there's unforgiveness, isn't the verbal exchanges between you and the person that you are unforgiving towards sound a lot like, ah! Yes. The sarcasm, you know, the, those cutting remarks, those things that you try to, mm. <laughs> And you always walk away and think, man, I should have said that and I was like, better. I could have really dug it in there, you know. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I don't want to be that guy. Lord, I want I want to let you help me let that go. I want to want that to sail away from me. Evil speaking. Evil speaking is a vilification, gossip, <laughs> where we want to make sure that everybody in our circle of relationship knows what a terrible person this other person is, you know? We want to make sure they all know our side of the story. No, Lord, I, I want to let that go. It says, let let these things, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, let them sail away with all malice. Malice, the word there is badness, literally. B-A-D-N-E-S-S. -S. It's a word that is as far from the word excellence as you can get. So the Lord says, let this stuff go with all badness, all malice, because as long as you hold on to unforgiveness, you are as far away from excellence as you can get. I don't want to be there. I want to be here. Lord, I want to let it go. I want to let it go. Verse 32 says, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another even as Christ forgave you. How did Christ forgive you? Even when there was no repentance. The Bible says that even while I was still a sinner, 
Even when I didn't care squat about God, even when I was still in open rebellion to his rule in my life, he was dying on a cross for me. He was forgiving me. Even when I didn't want his forgiveness, he was forgiving me. So he says, forgive one another that way. Forgive one another even when there's no... Re Are you kidding me? That is so stinking hard. But can I tell you, if, if you choose to hold... Here's what we think. We think that if we hold them in enough unforgiveness, eventually they'll get the message. And they'll come to us and, oh, I'm so sorry, and you were right all along, and then we'll be satisfied. We'll say, I forgive you. <laughs> and we'll be good, right? <coughs> Meanwhile, the enemy has placed a flag in my soul, has gotten a grip on me that he is exploiting to my disadvantage. And all of this other stuff starts to become true of me. That is a terrible price to pay for a day that will probably never come. I want to be like Jesus. I want to forgive. Even when there's no repentance. And I understand the question, how can I do that? Especially if you're still in the relationship with somebody and they're still doing the thing that hurt you. But dear one, as hard as it may be, it is essential that you uh, discover how Jesus can help you even there love the way that he loves, forgive the way that he forgives. And I, I just, then what happens is it says, I, I, I begin to be kind. Being a kind person is far different than doing acts of kindness. Now, a kind person will, they will exemplify kindness. But what we want to be is the kind person. Does that mean that you're a, a doormat? People walk all over you and you just sit there and be kind. No, it doesn't mean that. And by the way, this is not, we have a just God. This is not about, but see, so this is about who gets to be the judge. Me or God? When I hold people in unforgiveness, I'm saying, God, I'll take care of this one. No, no, no. He, he's, he is the just one. And he knows how to be just and merciful at the same time. And only he can do that. I want my heart to be kind. How do you define kindness? I don't know. I think we know it when we see it, though. And we know it when we feel it. It has something to do with goodness. But I want to be that. And I, I want more even than that, I want what it says next, to be tender-hearted. When we were in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago at the pastor's convention, two pastor friends of mine had heart attacks while we were there. Yeah. And um, one of them, a woman, was uh, actually, some of you know her, uh, uh, Debbie Fuller, Foch and Debbie Fuller, the pastors of the Foursquare Church in, in uh, Vallejo. Anyway, 
She was supposed to have, uh, she, she air, they were vacationing before the conference in uh, Maui, I think, or Kauai, and had to be air flighted to Honolulu for this. And she was supposed to have open heart surgery, triple bypass, the whole works. And uh, they ended up being able to uh, use stents in about seven of them to deal with the damage. But, you know, I was thinking, and that's a terrible physical, uh, biological condition. But when that was all going on and we were praying for her and, and all, I, I thought about my heart, my heart heart, you know, <laughs> my soul. And I, and I found myself praying, Lord, I, I don't want the arteries of my soul to become clogged up with unforgiveness. I don't want to have a spiritual heart attack. So God, keep the thing flowing. <laughs> keep it flowing. Your forgiveness, keep it flowing. This is recording number 11216 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, June 12, 2016. This is the seventh message in a series titled, One Another. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Forgiving. 